0: Token Show, Episode 19. My name is Kyle Salman. And I'm Herwig Cunnings. And this week, we've got a very interesting episode. We're going to be covering all of the components of what makes up a security token e- ecosystem. We're going to detail you know what it takes to build that infrastructure and, and how we can get there from this entire security token process. So, uh, But before we get into that, we got to get into the news. And Herwig, I'm really excited to talk about my company of the week. Well, then why don't you just jump into it, Kyle? Cool. So we're getting into the Companies of the Week. Mine this week is Realty. And Realty announced a partnership with the Uniswap Exchange. This was about a week ago. And they call it a paradigm shift as the first security token arrives on Ethereum's Uniswap DEX. And so these two articles are talking about the partnership of... Realty and Uniswap, which is a exchange, a decentralized exchange, and so Realty is a real estate platform that they're an issuance and funding platform based out of Detroit, Michigan, and so what they're looking to do is issue fractionalized ownership of real estate properties and build on Ethereum. So they're using Ethereum tokens to tie their real estate properties and the fractionalized ownership of them and sell those to their their users and so they've actually completed one successful offering and have three additionally that are fundraising currently on their platform and are live with a few more that i saw on the platform that are coming soon and so uniswap is also a a decentralized crypto exchange and so they did mostly crypto tokens which is why realtees is kind of leading the way in security token issuance on the blockchain side they seem to be really focusing on ethereum and building on that platform to allow them to, to cooperate with Uniswap here to actually trade the security token live to non-accredited investors. So the, the real estate property is on Marlowe Street in Detroit, Michigan, and it went live on exchange for non-U.S. investors on the Uniswap, Uniswap platform. So with this announcement, it's pretty exciting because we not only have a new live security token, but we actually have a new live security token exchange as well with uh, Uniswap now providing security token liquidity services and that token is live for international investors and the reason that it's only live for international investors at this point is because while they are a decentralized exchange and they're kind of doing a a potentially peer-to-peer asset exchange, which is kind of how they get around some of those transfer laws, they are still subject to the compliance requirements of Reg D and Reg S. So, Reg D is the U.S. investor exemption, and so that has a 12-month lockup period for U.S. investors. Reg S is for international investors, and that only has a six-month lockup period. So those Reg S investors are able to exchange and trade their security token on, on the Uniswap platform, which is pretty exciting. It's, it's good work from both teams. They've flown under the radar a little bit, and, uh, and I think that they've done a really good job and, and have, have uh, built an exciting partnership here.
1: That's huge. Uh, I I can see why you're giving Realty the company of the week. At the end of the day, this is the official first trading tokenized piece of real estate. We had announced last week that the St. Regis is expected to be listed very soon. But at the end of the day, there is nothing live and trading, so I'm very curious, and hopefully you're able to get that data so we can hear maybe on next week's episode or very soon about how this asset is actually trading. Uh, At the very least, we can look up the asset on Zillow if you like, so very interesting, and of course continues to prove that. concept of tokenizing real estate as is, is ever present. It's it's fantastic. It, it kind of furthers this the decentralized
0: finance aspect of it as well, which certainly draws a, a slightly different crowd than security tokens, but it's also very blockchain focused. And uh, so they're doing a great job. And it seems that they've found some kind of solution to liquidity outside of what we've traditionally seen, Herwig. I mean, we a lot of these exchanges are going through specific jurisdictions and, and doing that. It seems like Uniswap is taking a different approach We'll have to see how the regulators, you know, treat this moving forward.
1: Absolutely. We'll, we'll dive into that and how they're operating that to, to cover that top in a little more detail. But uh, for now, we'll see how it ends up working out on the Uniswap exchange. And as we always like to do every week with our companies of the week, there's a little bit of startup innovation as well as big institutions bringing the industry forward. And in my case, it's the latter. I'm talking this week about the Mitsubishi UFJ Financial Group, otherwise known as MUFG. And they are my company of the week this week because they made some recent news about forming a security token research consortium with over 21 other unnamed partners at this moment. But I consider this a massive step because MUFG, for those of you who don't know, they're the fifth largest bank in the world, and they are based out of Japan. And Japan sort of over the last month has kind of popped up and uh, as an extremely fast-moving ecosystem for security tokens to develop. Specifically, I'm talking about the fact that a couple of weeks ago, an SRO, a self-regulatory self-regul- organization, Four security tokens was formed by six different investment banks out of Japan. We also saw some news about a couple properties being tokenized and some investment banks being very active. And now, of course, we have the MUFG starting a security token research consortium, which I imagine will not only be great for Japan and for the banks to further evaluate the technology, but I imagine that they'll share that with the industry and I imagine that will be good for advancing the industry altogether. And it's also worth noting that MUFG also invested in Securitize, the U.S.-based protocol and issuance provider, which is interesting because there is no native security token issuance protocol in Japan at this time. And it's certainly uh, interesting because Japan has been growing so, so very quickly. So with all those reasonings, that's why I'm giving MUFG my company of the week for really uh, advancing the industry forward. That's great. Institutions looking to get involved is fantastic.
0: It seems like Japan is taking it very seriously. The last few weeks we've seen many news coming out of them, of of firms out of Japan as well as as the regulatory committee and things
1: like that that have been formed. It's very exciting and and, uh, awesome work. Security tokens are whispered here and there in those institutional circles. You know, we saw Goldman Sachs talking about it earlier in the year. We've seen JP Morgan very active. But we're talking, Kyle, about the fifth biggest bank in the world formally going to the public and saying we're starting a security token research consortium. This is a big bet. This is, to me, what's bringing security tokens continuously into the limelight and a really, really strong push for validation here, I think. You hit the nail on the head, man. That's awesome. So with that, Kyle, I'll get right into the news. And before I jump in, I will say that all of the topics we talk about today, all of the articles that we discuss, you can find them in our description, wherever you're listening from, so you can learn more about those articles as we discuss them. I'm going to kick off this week with the fact that there is now a third company that has been approved by the MAS this year for their regulatory fintech sandbox. That's the Monetary Authority of Singapore. And we're seeing a lot of activity coming out of Singapore as well. And in this case, it's a company called Propine, which describes itself as an end-to-end digital securities facilitator. And they're actually looking to provide a range of services, including custody, asset servicing, trade settlement, entitlement checks, investor reporting, cap table management, statutory reconciliations, and regulatory reporting. So I think that's great news that once again, we're seeing more security token infrastructure develop within Singapore itself. We've seen that the MAS's uh, fintech sandbox has also included other exchanges like OneExchange and iStocks, which uh, also are based out of Singapore. So it's easily safe to say, Kyle, that Japan and and Singapore, I think, are leading the region in terms of security token advancements. It's awesome. This is a lot of of those
0: pieces that are so incredibly important to the security token infrastructure that don't quite get talked about as much as potentially just the quality of asset or the exchange, right? But but a lot of this cap table management, statutory reconciliation reporting, investor relations, all those pieces are, are still very, very, very important that can't be overlooked. So, um, Absolutely. Yeah, good to see them grow.
1: And if we make our way a little bit north to Hong Kong, we did get some news from its regulators last week on Wednesday, further clarifying how they intend to regulate exchanges. Specifically, they commented in this paper that any uh, exchange that seems to be facilitating a security token will be treated as a traditional exchange and be enforced as such, which is, you know, logical and one to be expected, but of course important for the regulators to clarify. It certainly seems that the region is a a little bit of a a battle for uh, how they want to treat crypto assets versus security tokens. There is certainly a lot of activity from a few companies in the space like Liquify and Diginex. But then, of course, there's a lot of other traditional virtual asset exchanges, deregulate or decentralized exchanges, as well as non-custodial exchanges, which the regulator said they will stay away from at the moment because they are not providing any custodial services to, to Hong Kong investors. So very interesting news, to, at least to clarify that there is, it will be very much so a focus of enforcement in the Hong Kong region on exchanges.
0: I also just want to point out there with that, you know, to highlight what you just said, which is the, the final phrase here in, in the bottom of the article is, they will avoid regulating decentralized and non-custodial exchanges, right? And so this is kind of what we're talking about with the Uniswap exchange with, with the realty platform of being a decentralized exchange, not assuming custody, and having that be avoided by regulators. It's, it's again, we're seeing that trend happening. I wonder, you know, potential what, theme there, for yeah, sure. potential theme.
1: Next up, we have an announcement from a company called Ardor, which describes itself as a fourth-generation blockchain platform. They have launched with the Max Property Group a a, a tokenized real estate opportunity, specifically on the Ignis blockchain, which is a, a child chain of the Ardor platform designed for dApps and easily issuing tokens. In this case, the Max Property Group is very excited to be tokenizing one of the very first uh, official real estate tokens as well as having a pipeline of other projects across Europe uh, that they expect to tokenize as well on the platform. They are, uh, the Max Property Group is a, a Dutch company and uh, you know, it looks like we're continuing right off the heels of last week's trend of, of tokenized European real estate here. So not only is it interesting to see more assets come to market. Officially, but also seeing that there is now yet another blockchain platform that is focusing itself on security tokens and developing technology for issuers and the ecosystem to leverage. So we'll certainly be keeping an eye out on the growth and adoption of this new platform as well. Next, we have a familiar name here, Fundament Group, uh, which has recently announced a partnership with DAX, which also stands for the Digital Asset Custody Solutions. The joint partnerships is intended to offer institutional-grade custody solutions for Fundament's professional investors. DAX is known for working closely with the IBM Group to create a solution designed to safeguard transactions and assets with encryptions of keys in a highly secure architecture. The specific security policies have been designed to help DAX meet stringent regulatory requirements with the flexibility and usability of a best-in-class value-added services platform. Of course, Fundament was, was recently in the news for taking on an investment as well as having a huge property pipeline with the Bauens group out of Germany. So presumably this is in, in an effort to bolster their overall value proposition to their investors to say, hey, when you invest in our, our tokenized opportunities, we even have the, the DAX custody solutions to make it easy to participate. And on that sort of custody news, we also had an announcement from Securitize as well, saying that they now support MetaMask and Coinbase wallet um, registration on their Securitize dashboard. Specifically in their blog post, they acknowledge that we're talking about a new world relating to investment accounts, you now have wallets, and that this is a new experience for investors to participate with. MetaMask is a popular choice in the industry. Open Finance Network as an exchange exclusively uses MetaMask for for their wallet solution. And of course, Coinbase Wallet uh, also has a robust custody solution now that supports security tokens. They, a couple months ago, back supported the blockchain capital token, the BCAP token. And of course, it's worth noting that Coinbase also invested in Securitize, so... You know, mutual integration was more or less expected. We can expect that, you know, of course, they now support Coinbase Wallet within Securitize, and we can expect many more Securitize based tokens to also be supported by the Coinbase Wallet. We have an interesting article, opinion article, talking a little bit about the hurdles facing the Swiss Digital Exchange. Specifically, Thomas Zeeb, the chairman of the Swiss Digital Exchange, came out to acknowledge. Some of the, let's call it delays that they've been facing, it's uh, topical because last year around the same time, they announced that they would be launching the Swiss Digital Exchange and that they expect to have offerings and such live sometime mid-2019. Now that we're getting towards the end of the year, it seems that they wanted to clarify some of the reasoning why that hasn't happened yet confirming, of course, that they do have a functional solution that is starting to be tested. Unfortunately, it will not be completely live until 2020. And the main source of the issue is due to the fact of the partner banks that they're working with. At the end of the day, they claim that IT technology, legacy systems from the 70s and the like are causing slow adoption with their bank partners for their new digital exchange. And they expect that this will ultimately pick up uh, over the next year or two as they start to to test more things out. Ultimately though, Thomas Sieb said that he predicted around a 10 year time horizon for the full adoption of digital capital markets, which I can as referring to, you know, typically leveraging blockchain technology for all of capital markets uh, as a whole. Finally, there, there is worth mentioning another opinion article here on LinkedIn written by Gene Dayev. If anyone is out there conducting or considering doing an STO, it's a nice little primer on some of the main issues that come up when conducting an STO, such as how to manage liquidity and how to manage your race. So if you're interested, go check out that article. And the last bit of news that I have for everyone listening here is a a bit of an interesting one. This originally popped up on Bitcoinist, but then was taken down. So I was very curious to figure out what had happened to it. It could be because they are trying to cover themselves up from certain liability or because the article was actually just rather poorly written. But at the end of the day, I'm talking about an article referring to the fact that Stellar uh, or XLM's uh, coins may have broken securities laws when they recently did a coin burn. So just to clarify for everybody, uh, Ripple, or, or sorry, Stellar has a, a token called Stellar Lumens, or XLM, and in, over the last week or so, they did a massive burn of their supply, which was held by the foundation in order to increase the price of the tokens. And the purpose of the, the reason that they did it was because they felt like the ecosystem itself needed to have less supply and that that it would be better overall for the, the, the token economy. And of course, naturally, what was to be expected was a rise in the price due to the new scarcity of the XLM token. And for those of you who are listening to our Crypto Rating Council episode, we had did some, done some research, right? And we're not securities attorneys at all, but the Crypto Ratings Council was put together by some of the industry-leading exchanges to try and identify what cryptocurrencies may be qualified as securities. And in this case, one of the SEC officials had talked about in the past how having an ability to influence the supply of a token may actually be seen as a form of manipulation and control that are associated with a security, just the same way that a company can dilute itself and issue new shares. And so therefore, when uh, Stellar went ahead and burned all those tokens and there was an absolute noticeable price increase, They may have actually gone ahead and qualified themselves as securities or if down the line the the regulators were to qualify them as securities, they may very well have broken uh, market manipulation laws and and the like by doing this burn. So very fascinating article. Definitely just food for thought. Kyle, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this uh, and certainly our listeners as well. If you ever want to reach out to us with your own comments, we'd love to hear them. Tweet at us, find us on LinkedIn. But Kyle, what do you think about this one?
0: Well, it's this is definitely, I think that I'm sure we've been on the same page about this, that some of these tokens, have, they print so many of them. It just seems very unnecessary to begin with, especially, you know, I don't want to talk too much about crypto and utility tokens because that's really not the goal of this podcast here. But, but a lot of these crypto cases that we've seen from, 2017, 2018, and even some that have tried to carry over into the security token space, they issue these, these ridiculous volumes of, of tokens, and, uh, and so I think the fact that they can just casually burn 50% shows that they probably only needed about 50% of the total outstanding tokens to begin with, if they even needed that many. But I think everything you said about, about this being a security move, it certainly seems like it. You know, we see in public markets that you need you're required to have disclosures when you acquire certain amounts of a public company. You certainly have to have disclosures when you sell a certain amount of the company or when you when you do anything that affects supply like this is certainly a very highly regulated move. And so to just casually announce it and burn fifty percent is definitely a very questionable move. You wonder who, you know, what portion of the 50% was owned by who, you know, what, where, where were those tokens coming from? There's a lot of question marks here. It doesn't look great, honestly, I think for me,
1: but we'll have to see what happens. Certainly, we're not securities attorneys. We, we can't count on how the regulators are thinking on this, but certainly we will be keeping our eye on this one because it, it, it is relevant in the sense that it could have an effect on future tokenizations and specifically defining security tokens versus crypto assets. But Kyle, that's all the news that I have for us this week. So hopefully you enjoy that. And I know I'm looking forward to hearing the latest new STOs. Cool. Yeah, let's get right into
0: it. So we have a a few new STOs, as Herwig mentioned, and and as we like to reiterate, all of this news is posted on security token market, stomarket.com slash news. So if you want to participate you want to comment on those articles you can do that directly there and you can also see all of the news in one place so definitely check that out but the the first new STL we have here is Legend Siam which is the world's first tradition theme park it's based out of Thailand and they've built this kind of park for theater and for shows and for, for food cultural food and appreciation and built a center around this that that is a tourist attraction in Thailand it is open now but it seems like they are now looking to raise a security token on, on that property that's that's hosted by VIA East West Capital. And so they are based out of Hong Kong. And so Legend Siam is a, is a cultural theme park. That, it's a 65-acre property. It's valued at around $131 million US dollars. I'm not sure where that valuation comes from, but but certainly that's what's featured on their site. So that's the valuation we're going with. And the fundraising is presumed to be used for opening new attractions on the site for further cultural appreciation and to, to create more opportunities to learn and, and about the Thai culture. And so they actually did issue a Reg D offering to U.S. investors through via East-West Capital out of Hong Kong I'm not sure the the progress on that issuance. Again, you can file for a reg D, and then there's a another step of the process in terms of actually raising capital. So the the details on the actual structure of the deal have not been publicized yet, but they have announced this officially as as a security token that they are considering moving forward, and they're going to to move forward with that again in 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 the soon future. So. They mentioned in the press release that it is open to accredited international investors. I believe, again, this is accredited U.S. investors as well through the the Regulation D, but it seems that they may be also doing a Reg S or something along those lines as well. So keep your eyes open for that if you'd like to participate in the Legend Siam
1: theme park for, for Thai culture. Theme park out of Thailand. Wow. As a security token available to the globe to invest in. Absolutely love it, Kyle. I think it's fascinating. Uh, definitely interested to hear more about how successful their raises in the future.
0: Definitely, we'll give you as much info as I can on uh, on the structure. Not there yet, but uh, hopefully we'll see that that progress move forward. It's exciting. Next up, we've got a cryptocurrency information and analytics platform that goes by Omnia Markets, and they announced a security token offering as well. This is similar to the. The former offering we just talked about, Legend Siam, in the sense that there wasn't a ton on their structure and a lot of the details, but they, they did make a strong public push to announce that this is something that they're moving forward with. And so Omnia Markets is looking to launch a cryptocurrency analytics platform, and they're leveraging artificial intelligence to be able to give you insights on, on that space, targeting specifically transparency and clarity in the markets being something that's hindered investors and caused cause you know issues in the market so they actually also announced that they're they're offering the security token through securitize which uh, as we know here in the u.s is, is certainly a leader in the space and so they're taking this very seriously it doesn't seem like they have a live product at this point potentially they're going to be fundraising for the launch of their project but if you're interested in checking it out seeing more about it you know a cryptocurrency analytics platform looking to raise capital Register on their platform at omniamarketsinc.com to read their investor docs and uh, you can check it out for yourself and and see if you're interested in participating. So that's Omnia Markets. Finally, we have one more Scottish Rum Distillery. So Scottish Rum Limited is a distillery out of Scotland, obviously. That is, they just mentioned on Twitter the other day that they're planning to issue an equity-backed security token through the Ravencoin platform. So they did confirm to me via Twitter that it is equity-backed, it is a security token, and they're looking to raise around 200,000 pounds to begin the distillation process, as well as to scale their operations that they currently have in place. They are a newer distillery, and I haven't seen an eta on the fundraise aside from they're they're looking to potentially close this in 2019 but it doesn't seem like there is a, a formal fundraise offering process at this time they're more so soliciting you know interested investors at this time and so ravencoin is there is their issuance platform ravencoin it works closely with T0 if you, you remember or have heard of that name before, they're an issuance platform from the crypto space that has always been seeking to tokenize assets on the blockchain. They launched their own token that trades. You can check that on CoinMarketCap or whatever. But yeah, Ravencoin is, is a notable issuance platform. Again, working with T0, so potentially you know this goes through to T0's exchange if they're looking to do that moving forward. And if you're interested in, in participating in a, in a rum distillery, Herwig, another very interesting investment opportunity to check out, again, this is no financial advice, but go look it out yourself at uh, scotsrum.com, Scott's Rum.
1: For whatever reason, Kyle, I can tell you from my experience in the equity crowdfunding industry that distilleries were a very popular go-to choice to seek the crowdfunding model. Interesting. Uh, not sure why in, in particular, but uh, it is refreshing to continue to see the trend here in security tokens as well.
0: The question, obviously, that has nothing to do with the Scottish Rum limited, but from your experience in equity crowdfunding, were those often successful investments or did it seem to be that it was maybe an oversaturated investment opportunity i I think
1: they often were quite successful in fact i think it's due to the fact that it it doesn't necessarily require a huge startup capital to get going it's a tremendous platform it is i think also a bit emotional i think the investor typically tends to to favor that type of alcohol depending on what type of distillery they're investing in Uh, and i do think at one point in time there might have even been a little bit of a saturation in the market Uh, but um you know, the the beer trends and the craft IPAs yeah. and everything else, they don't stop. So Huge I industry. continue to expect to see even more distilleries tokenized in the future. Fascinating.
0: That's, uh, that's great. And, and, you know, the security token is a great vehicle, especially if, if people had participated in the equity crowdfunding space. If they invest in the security token, they actually may have opportunities to offload or, or, or get liquid on those investments or potentially to invest in,
1: in deals that they may have missed out on early. That's right, Kyle, I often like to say security tokens is the evolution to the equity crowdfunding industry.
0: It's a great point. It, it seems like there's a, there's a lot of the same. Um, and uh, Yeah, so that's, that's all of our new offerings. We do have a market update. And so with our traditional asset that we've talked about for a few months now, we've got T0. T0 is up 9% this week at $1.27 per token. There have been some strong support around the twenty range, so it's bounced a few times. And, and when it gets to around that $1.20, it does seem to, to bounce up from that pretty pretty quickly. There was some good volume this week of anywhere from three to $5,000 a day, which, again, is still strong when you've got no other assets on the exchange. So the fact that people are still buying, still have faith in this thing is interesting and has been great to see. The other tokens, unfortunately, we didn't have any real trades at all from Open Finance this week. Blockchain Capital did have a few $100 plus trades across the week, but it was, it was one here this day and then a few days later you'd see a sell of a similar or lesser value and a couple thousand bucks here or there, or a couple hundred bucks rather. I don't think it totaled a thousand in total. but So Blockchain Capital had a little bit of activity. Everything else, unfortunately, was pretty quiet. But we do have a new token to begin discussing, and that's the Merge IPO security token. If you remember, we've talked a lot about Merge. We've actually detailed their entire fundraise to exchange process here on the podcast. And so the Merge IPO security token is live on the Merge exchange. Currently, it has a $21 million market cap with a share price of $2.42 per share, so instantly it now becomes the third highest market cap token in just the first week of their launch and, and, and live. And so it brings our total security token market cap to $104 million. So now we have an additional asset that we can start looking at, an additional exchange that is actually trading uh, tokens. But we also have the Uniswap platform that I mentioned that that is... Uh, is live now for for the real estate tokens which is exciting so i'll have to get a little bit more detail that was that was a late a late research for me and so i'm excited to check out Uniswap and, and find a way to 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 get the information on on their real estate assets so that we can continue to provide the market update there And both of those exchanges will be added to my security token exchange list. So if you remember, we've we've made a compilation of all of the live security token exchanges, as well as all of the exchanges that are planning on going live in the near future. Anything that we could find from every jurisdiction. And so now we have two more, brings us over 55 exchanges. If you're interested, definitely check that out on the security token group medium.
1: Wow, Kyle, I, I gotta say, it's refreshing to hear some positive news for the T0 token. I don't think we often get that <laughs> on the show these last couple of episodes, but uh, great market update. Um, I'm excited to see these new assets get listed now, and, and hopefully, we'll be able to start tracking them very soon.
0: Yeah, hopefully, if Uniswap comes out with a few more real estate tokens that are live, we'll, we'll, we'll go to double digits. We'll be past 10 offerings, which would be great. And yet again, those are out of the U.S. So it's more U.S. assets being traded. So uh, good to see that that the U.S. is still keeping pace with everyone else in in just their own way.
1: And with that market update, I'll jump us into a quick uh, update on events, upcoming events here. Specifically, we identified one on November 13th, the London Summit in 2019. It uh, has an STO panel featuring Ami Ben-David from Onera, Graham Rodford is the CEO of Art, ArtPax, Ziv Keenan who's a, a known lawyer of digital assets lawyers in the space, you have exchange CEO, Marlene Everts, and eToro UK Managing Director, Iqbal Gunham all going to be on a panel at the London Summit on Wednesday this week. Will be very interesting to see if they have any video or footage or insight from that panel. Hopefully, for next week's episode, we have on November twentieth, uh, Vertalo live tokenization and trading demo, which Kyle and I had the pleasure of seeing the the very first run of on stage in LA a few weeks ago at, at Crypto Invest Summit, and now they'll be doing a Zoom webinar on November twentieth at one p.m. Central Time. So if you want to go check out that demo, definitely go. Register and of course you can find the link to it in our description. And last but not least, we have Security Tokens Realized, which will be in New York on December fifth. Obviously, an event catered and centered around security tokens. They do them all around the world. I believe they'll be in London in February, but this closest next one is coming up in New York on December fifth. Again, the registration will be in our description. So. With that, that ends up all our main topics, and we can get right into the the meat of today's episode, components of an STO ecosystem. Kyle, tell me, what is necessary for a security token infrastructure and ecosystem to thrive? Well, the first
0: thing that we're going to need is something that we've highlighted many times, and that is being developed as we speak, which is the regulatory clarity defining securities laws for security tokens. And so we need the regulation and the legal protections for security tokens to be treated and handled just like traditional securities. We need the definitions to be the same so that we can interoperate between all of the different jurisdictions to allow for that globalized capital market. And it all starts with the regulators being consistent and agreeing with, with each other as well as, as complying
1: with traditional financial securities laws. So regulatory clarity, first piece. If I had to sum it up, Kyle, it sounds like you need legal acknowledgement of security tokens in the, in the region, in the, the jurisdiction.
0: Consistent, consistent legal acknowledgement, yep, across the board, in the same way so that we don't have any debates or issues. From there, we need the issuance platforms and the protocols to enforce that regulation, This includes the technology solution that builds the token in a regulatory way, right? So you have all of those different laws, all the different requirements and the compliance pieces programmatically built into the token, the underlying technology, so that when you're working with different exchanges, different investors, it's all systematically performed and there's no issues regarding what those compliance standards are. This also includes the blockchain piece of, of the transaction, right, so that you're You're logging and managing all of these transfers on the blockchain, across jurisdictions, and that can all be compiled in in one place to be able to audit those financial transactions and be able to see which tokens are going where. So that, that, that issuance and protocol piece allows for the proper enforcement of the regulation standards that we just defined in the first step.
1: So the stakeholders know that their security token is legitimate. And now they have an option, a solution to go ahead and leverage to make sure that their token is legitimate. Exactly.
0: The third piece is the assets. We need the assets that can be built on top of the protocol and that those are the actual assets that we want to tokenize, right? So we're talking about a lot of these different pieces all throughout these podcast episodes, but Real estate certainly seems like one early here that is a, is a very great candidate and use case that we we've, we've all have been seeing from a mile away that that can be traded that can be tokenized and the importance here is that we're talking about international investment in localized properties being able to to invest from around the world and participate in those things and whether it's a localized property or whether it's a closed market like what we see with sports contracts or like what we see with with some of these late-stage equity that even is, is starting to develop peer-to-peer markets, but we need these, these markets to develop, and, and what the first piece of that that's important is those assets that, that hold value, that are not just speculative assets, that are kind of just a goofy investment opportunity, but, but high-quality assets often backed by real-world things, whether it's book value in equipment fact, fact, factories, rather, and, or whether it's real estate itself, something like that that really backs that asset. The fourth piece is having a broker to help find investors for the assets, right? So we're talking about you need somebody that'll be able to take this asset, this investment offering that you've built the terms, you've built the structure. Now we need to show investors this vehicle. We need to show investors this opportunity and, and find the funding for the primary offering. And so this, this involves a, a strong investor network that is aligned with the specific investment opportunity, both in terms of the fact that it's a, a financial instrument that is, is maybe a little bit more progressive, as well as the fact that it's a specific type of, of security token, right? So, so different investors are going to be interested in different things. So having the aligned investor network with that asset is crucial. And then we need exchanges that will then be able to to manage the transfer of these things over time. I don't need to explain that a whole lot. And finally, custody providers need to act on the investor's behalf in terms of taking that liability, managing the asset, and being able to facilitate all of the post issuance services that are needed. And that's kind of what our our security token ecosystem looks like. But then there's a few other pieces here in terms of, of the
1: global trade. Yeah, no, I I think you did a very good summary here, Kyle. I think Ultimately, over the last three years or so, since the latter end of 2017, we've seen the introduction of security token technology. And over the last couple of years now, we are developing that ecosystem and that infrastructure. Uh, And you've done a great job of kind of talking about all the different players that are needed to make that happen. In 2017, we saw the emergence of the very first uh, security token kind of concepts in 2018, we saw a huge spike in issuance platforms and protocols, if you will, designed for security tokens come to market. You know, this year we now see that next year in 2020, we, we could probably expect something like 50 plus different exchanges to be live. So, we're, we're the infrastructure that we're acknowledging this ecosystem. Although it may seem kind of obvious around the different parts, they're still being built. They're coming into existence. We now actually have security tokens being issued. We've seen over a dozen jurisdictions go out and actually define legally security tokens so that they can be enforced. We've seen a, a huge concentration of, of just issuance platforms in the U.S. and Europe alone come to market all with a different approach using different technologies or, or different pricing models to go ahead and issue security tokens. We of course have seen the, the rise of even broker dealers and investor networks entering into the space. We, we had originals like, like in Toro here in, in the space, but even new broker dealers like Tritarian Capital or even Harbor and TokenSoft getting there. Um, licenses. Just last week alone, we announced Watchdog Capital is yet another broker dealer in the space. Of course, in Japan, we saw that SRO of six different investment banks get set up. Those are all broker dealers looking to establish networks and become security token, you know, network uh, players. And then finally, of course, even just today, we've talked about a host of uh, custody solutions being integrated, new partnerships, new solutions coming to market it's very clear we we even did an episode on custody uh, i think back in september where we covered a wide range of solutions it's certainly clear that the market is starting to adopt them fundament group partnered with dax today to prove to everybody that they have a sophisticated and institutional grade custody solution and they as an issuance platform have started to develop the infrastructure in Europe but it, but it's interesting now that we've kind of gone over all these different parts Kyle we see kind of in Japan where there's a a certainly a movement towards the institutions with the brokers but they only have securitized really as sort of a protocol out there, right? So there aren't a lot of issuance platforms, whereas in Europe, you you have a lot of issuance platforms, but there are questions around where do you go to list these assets? The exchanges aren't quite ready yet, whereas of course here in the US, it's probably the closest we have to a full tilt infrastructure being complete. We have a bunch of tokenization solutions, we have exchanges that are trading tokens, we're certainly not all the way there when it comes to the regulatory clarity. And certainly, I think there could be a, a proliferation amongst the broker-dealer networks where we really see uh, a sort of driving force enter the market there. But ultimately, around the world, all these different regions are kind of developing their, their infrastructures. And so now we have a better idea, hopefully, as, as listeners, a better understanding of how these infrastructures are coming about and how we can analyze and, and identify the strengths and weaknesses of different jurisdictions.
0: Yeah, and it's it's exciting to see the differences in strategy for all of these international jurisdictions as well, right? I think that it, it is best for innovation that they follow different paths. And so with, with Europe expanding on, on the tokenization of real estate that they focused on and, and actually providing the issuance for these these great assets versus the US trying to pave you know the most regular regulatory the highest compliance standard approach I think is the way that the US certainly has approached it with their you know private securities exemptions and, and really trying to set some kind of legal standard it, it's slower but but I think that those those compliance measures are important for the rest of the world as well. And and many other jurisdictions are trying to follow in the same footsteps. So,
1: yeah, I think that applies also to how we're going to see these STO ecosystems evolve around the assets themselves, right? If we look at different players, such as Merge or Malta, where they're on an island, you know, it'll be interesting to see where they end up focusing their assets. Do they end up becoming sort of a global exchange for all types of private companies and real estate opportunities, et cetera, or do we see some sort of focus on oil and energy, for example? We've also seen you know, some of the, the lesser obvious ones. Of course, real estate and private companies are obvious because they're illiquid today, and they are massive, massive, you know, trillions and trillions of them. Whereas you know, a couple episodes ago, we started talking about this very recent innovation done by Spencer Dinwiddie in terms of tokenizing his contract by the NBA. You know, we kind of talked about this as this new sort of form of sports finance that could potentially develop as a result of the security token industry. So distilleries is kind of another niche example of that that can kind of fall. You know, there's all these different use cases that are going to come about. And so it'll be interesting to see if ecosystems themselves focus around different asset classes, And how they, of course, like you just mentioned, Kyle, will interact with other ecosystems across the globe based on the different regulations and different offerings and different technology solutions in those respective ecosystems.
0: Well, that's very well said, Herwig. I I could not have said it better myself. And I think with that, that is episode 19 drawing to a close. Next one is
1: episode 20, which is exciting. And uh, thank you all for listening. Of course. Thanks for being great, listeners. As always, send us your feedback, comments, uh, and and let us know about any news. Come join us on stomarket.com slash news if you want to submit information or get the latest about all the things security tokens. Talk to you next week.